0: ready to sing praises to God, then hop aboard the Bible bus as we set out for another great adventure in the book of Psalms. Welcome to Through the Bible, I'm Steve Schwetz, and we'll begin in Psalm 109 in just a moment. But first, here's our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, who recorded a few words of introduction for this study.
1: Our study today brings us to Psalm 109. I went over that last time just a little too Fast. And so we're going to back up and take another look at it. These are very wonderful psalms. And we're putting an emphasis, as you can see, on this book of psalms. In this particular section, that praises the Word of God. We'll be coming to a psalm shortly that is the center of the Bible, and it's all about the Word of God. It's quite interesting that recently... Some research was done, I think it was the Princeton Religion Research Center, and found out that Americans overwhelmingly believe in God, but they do not read the Bible, that there is today great biblical illiteracy. And there has been a revival of Bible study, which we're delighted to hear about everywhere, but I don't really think we've scratched the surface. So let me urge you, especially at this point, to begin reading the Word of God as we go along. That's one of the things that we suggest to those who go through the Bible with us, is that they read the Word of God as we go along, and it's well to read it ahead of time. And I'll tell you why. For 21 years, we averaged about 1,500 people every Thursday night in downtown Los Angeles, and that is something that has not been duplicated. I wish it would be, but there's not that emphasis on the Word of God today that there should be, and we believe that part of the expectation and the interest was because people were asked to read, and they did read ahead of our study. And they were sitting there with an air of expectancy. And today we need that. And we urge you to read along with us. We have a nation of Bible illiterates. Can you imagine today a man running an atomic energy plant and not having ever read anything about it, about atomic energy? I tell you, they tell me they follow the book. But Christians today, for some reason, have got away from the Word of God. Let's get back, friends, and urge people to study the Word of God. How many midweek services are there today where the Word of God is really being taught and how it's needed today? Great need for that.
0: Go for it. Take Dr. McGee's suggestion and read along with us as we study. Get started by downloading a copy of our free bookmark that outlines the reading schedule at ttb.org or receive it by mail when you sign up for our mailing list at ttb.org or just call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now, our monthly newsletter contains lots of extra content from Dr. McGee and an inside look at what God is doing around the world through your ministry partnership. Again, that's 1-800-65-BIBLE. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, secure your word to our hearts so that we can praise you for your goodness and follow you in paths of righteousness. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to study Psalm 109 through 113 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee.
1: Now friends, last time I was about to pass over Psalm 110 a little too hurriedly. fact of the matter is, I'm ashamed of the way I did Psalm 109. I was attempting to move fast, but this is a case where haste makes waste. And I have to back up today because you just can't pass over the Word of God like this and treat it as apparently I was treating it. Now, this great psalm of the humiliation of our Lord is a very important psalm. It's actually an imprecatory psalm and it is actually a Judas's Cariot psalm. It's been called that because this is the psalm that was quoted by Simon Peter before Pentecost, ten days before when they elected a man to take Judas's place. Now, I'd like to read this section. It's too important to pass over. Verse 6, Set thou a wicked man over him, and let Satan stand at his right hand. When he shall be judged, let him be condemned, and let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few, and let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless, his wife a widow. Let his children be continually wanderers, and beg, let them seek their bread, also out of their desolate places. Now, friends, you can't find anything that is more dreadful than this imprecatory psalm. I think it's the most dreadful of all of them. And it is applied to Judas Iscariot. And I think probably I should not have passed over it because of the fact that there's so little attention today given to the condition of the lost. Now, as far as I know, no one is defending Judas Iscariot. I've had a notion today that there's certain organization. And certain judges that would let Judas carry it off. Fact of the matter is they declare him innocent and declare Jesus guilty. But the word of God is very clear that he's a lost man. And this psalm here makes it rather frightening. And it makes the condition of the lost frightening. It's an awful thing to be a lost man. It said of this man that it'd been better if he hadn't been born. And the Lord Jesus even he made it very clear that the condition of the lost is a terrible thing. Yonder in John three thirty six, where he gave that wonderful invitation, there's also the other side of it. There's light and darkness. He said, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. Now, I do not know how you could make that any stronger. This teaching today that somehow another that the folk that are lost are going to have a second chance or a larger hope, or we ought not to be squares and narrow-minded about matters like this, that God may have a way. All I know is that the Word of God says, and the Lord Jesus said, For the wrath of God abideth in him. And that wrath of God is a terrible thing. It is judgment. And he bore that wrath for us on the cross. I say to you, this is a psalm I shouldn't have passed over so hurriedly. Now I do want to come to the 110th psalm. And here you have the not the humiliation of the Lord Jesus as you have in Psalm 109, but you have the exaltation. And here is a psalm that begins... With the ascension of Christ, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now, this psalm is a remarkable psalm because of the prominence that's given to it in the New Testament. I think it makes very clear the deity of Christ. You couldn't in any way whatsoever shape or fashion deny the deity of Christ and yet, consider this psalm here. I wonder if I might, and I could spend the entire period today turning to scriptures that refer to him. And I want to turn to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verse 41. And will you listen to this? This makes very clear the deity of Christ. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What Think ye of Christ, whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now, this is a very remarkable psalm and a very remarkable passage of Scripture. The Lord said unto my Lord, Equal speaking to equal. God speaking to God, if you please. Now, that is quoted again in Mark, in Luke, and again in the book of Acts. We find it in the first chapter of Hebrews at verse 13. This is something you just can't pass over. When anyone says that the Bible does not teach the deity of Jesus Christ, they're not acquainted with this section of the Word of God, I can assure you. Let me just turn here to Hebrews 1.13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? In other words, this is the section that sets forth the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you couldn't have it, my friend, given to us in any stronger fashion than we have it given to us here. Now, we could spend a long time in this psalm. I'm going to read all of it. Will you listen? The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Now, this speaks of the coming of Christ to the earth to rule in Zion. Because, you remember, Isaiah said it. it is out of Jerusalem. The law will go. It's from that place. That will be the center of government of this earth. And God does have a purpose with these people in the future. Now, will you listen? Verse 3, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. That's going to be the time when the greatest turning to the Lord Jesus the world has ever seen. Spurgeon always liked to say, God will have more people saved than they'll be lost. And don't push your nose up against the wind of the present. He's not doing so well today. But you see, he's not through. He has quite a bit back of him. He has a great deal ahead of him. And he has great plans for the future. Now, will you notice here, verse 4, "...the Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek." And again, here is something that is very, very important. And that is the fact that the Lord Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, here again is something that we'll wait till we get to the epistle to the Hebrews to develop, because this is one of the greatest truths in the Word of God. I'll just lift out one verse from Hebrews. Hebrews 5, verse 6. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him, that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. There's both the deity and the humanity of the Lord Jesus. Let me keep on reading The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. You see, he's coming in judgment as the second psalm makes it very clear. He shall break them with a rod of iron. And now the last verse of Psalm 110, verse 7. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. In other words, he's on the way to judgment. Now we come in Psalm 111 to a hallelujah psalm. And we have quite a few of these hallelujah psalms that are here. Psalm 111, Psalm 112 are hallelujah psalms, and they are acrostic. That is, they are perfectly alphabetical. And they're like the little book we were given. A is for apple, B is for baby, C is for cat. And that is, you have in these Psalms, you'll notice as we go through them, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet given to us in a very perfect way. Although our verses are not ranged like that. Now, we have here then three Hallelujah Psalms. And then we come to that section which is known As the Hallel Psalms, we're coming to this very important section. Now, this is a Hallelujah Psalm 111. Praise ye the Lord. That's what Hallelujah means. Praise ye the Lord. Now, this is praise to God because of his works and also because of his redemption. That's the new song that will be sung in heaven. The old song is the psalm of creation. The new is the psalm of redemption. And they're both here. Now, will you notice? Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, the works of the Lord are great. Now, these are His works that they're praising Him for. Sought out of all them who have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Actually, this method today of attributing the origin of this universe to natural causes is taking away the glory from God and from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's robbing him of his glory. And it's as bad as to deny his redemption, and to deny him as Savior. You see, if you accept him as Savior, you accept him as Creator. Now he's going to mention the redemption that we have, and that's part of the Hallelujah Chorus, verse 9. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverent is his name. There's that word reverent. The holy God, the reverend God. And reverend ought not to be applied to a man. No preacher should be called reverend. Only God is holy and reverend is his name. Now this is his redemption. He sent his redemption unto his people. God has a redemption for us, you see. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. And you'll never go wrong when you praise the Lord. Now, Psalm 112 is another one of these wonderful Hallelujah Psalms. And it also is an acrostic psalm. Each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, we miss all that, of course, in our English translation. Now, here in Psalm 112, we have here This perfect alphabetical psalm. And when you go through it here, we miss all of that, of course. But it goes all the way from Aleph to Tau. And there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And they're all included here. But we miss that in our translation, of course. Now, here, the emphasis is praising God for his righteousness. Now, God's righteousness causes him to have to judge sin. But aren't you glad today that God is who he is? Suppose he was the devil. It was Satan that he tempted to deceive us. He wanted to destroy us. That'd be a horrible thing, would it not? It's horrible even to contemplate. But friends, God is good and God is righteous. And he has to deal with sin because he is righteous. And he's going to make things right. I don't know about you. I want him to make things right. I'd like for the things in my own life to be straightened out. Wouldn't you? This is something to praise him for. So here we go again. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man who feareth the Lord, who delighteth greatly in his commandments. Don't despise his commandments. They're a mirror. If you're honest with him, why, they'll let you see who you are. I have a Sunday broadcast And these are messages that I've given over the years. And only the messages that God has used for the salvation of souls in the past have been used. And there have been running a series on the Ten Commandments. There are those that never thought I'd run a series on them. And I have several letters of people who listened. One man said, This is the sin that I didn't realize was separating me from God. And he said, I saw what an awful sinner I was. I have a letter from a lady, and she is a lady. But her sin was swearing, taking God's name in vain. And she's turned to the Lord. Had a remarkable conversion. It's all because she saw herself in God's mirror. And that's what the commandments are. Don't despise them. But if you're honest, you know you can't be saved by keeping them. You need a Savior. That's what they reveal. Verse 3, wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. And that's something else God won't run out of, his righteousness. He has a good supply of it. Our God is righteous. And listen to verse 4, unto the upright there riseth light in the darkness. Why? Because he, that is, God is gracious, and he's full of compassion and righteousness. Oh, you and I do not know how good God really is, how wonderful He is. Why, if you did right now, you'd sing the hallelujah chorus. Now, will you notice verse 6? Surely He shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. And God's not going to lose sight of you throughout eternity. Verse 9, He hath distributed, He hath given to the poor. Now, this looks toward that day. God's going to take care of the poor. He has the only poverty program that's going to work. Unfortunately, the Democrats and the Republicans and the Communists and any other group today, they're not interested in adopting God's program, but they all say they're going to solve it. But the interesting thing is, these folk that say they're going to solve the poverty problem, they solve it for themselves. They do well by themselves, but they don't do well by the poor. Now, notice this, he hath distributed, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever, his horn shall be exalted with honor. And that's the power and strength of God. Now, in Psalm 113, here we are again with another hallelujah one. And you have here the hallelujah psalms. They're coming up before us now. And these hallelujah psalms were sung at the Passover And not only the Passover, but there are those that say they were sung at all of the feasts, at least three of the feasts, at the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles, but probably at all of them for that matter. And you have here these very wonderful so-called Hallel or Hallelujah Psalms. And they began back there at 111 And here we have another one that's coming up here, and we read in Psalm 113, Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. It's the reason we shouldn't take it in vain. We should praise the Lord, and that is very important to see. This is a precious, it's a delightful psalm of praise and worship. And again, it's a praise that will never be exhausted, because it's to creation's Lord and creation's Redeemer again. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord, our God "...who dwelleth on high? He humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth." Do you know, friends, God has to stoop down in order to look into heaven? He's so high and lifted up. But what's he going to do? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill. He's a Savior, you see. He's a Redeemer, "...that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people." He maketh a barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. It's time, friends, to praise God. If there's one thing that we can accomplish in going through this book of Psalms, I'll be satisfied, and that is to get God's people across this country today to praise God. Praise Him. Tell somebody today, friends, that God is good, will you? And then back it up with your own experience. The Bible says He's good. Haven't you found that to be true? Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved.
0: Are you telling others how good God is? Are you praising His name so others around you will hear of His goodness? Ask God for the courage to share him with just one person today. Step out in faith and believe God is preparing them for your good word. We'd also like to hear your praises to God. You can write and tell us the good things that he's doing in your life as we study his word together. You can email us at BibleBus at ttb.org or send your letter to Box 7100, Pasadena, California 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C. 6B1. And if we can answer your questions about this worldwide ministry, call us at one 800 65 Bible. Well, I'm Steve Schwetz, and as always, I'll meet you back here next time. Go with God today. Jesus. We're grateful for our committed listening family who faithfully pray and invest in Through the Bible as we together take the whole word to the whole world.